Um, great. Now, Anna, we've asked Anna to come down. At, so Anna up there at the Gold Coast does a lot of preaching and teaching, leading young adults, as she said, and leading in the church. And so we're really privileged to have you, Anna, to come and preach a storm this week from God's Word. And so um, Anna's going to kick off tonight and then in the morning as well. And how about I pray for you? Awesome. Yeah. God, thank you for making it absolutely possible for Anna to be here this week with us. And Lord, thank you that you have uh, given her your words from your scriptures for us tonight. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you and bless Anna in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. So, here we are. We've actually made it to Soul Survivor 2021, which is so good. Do you know, I don't know if you noticed, but last week, I think it was last week, um, Queensland actually went into lockdown. And Matt sent me this text, which I loved. He said, We're monitoring the situation, but I'm not worried. And I was like, that makes one of us because I'm currently locked in my house. But here we are. God is good and the borders are open and COVID is okay. So um, it was funny. A few weeks ago, I was sitting down to do an assignment, um, hands up assignments. Uh, do you love them? No. No. Anyway, so I was doing an assignment and in this assignment, what I had to do was get a whole bunch of uh, sticky notes and write on the sticky notes, okay, what are some of the uh, life experiences? What are some of the people and the places that have influenced me and formed me over my whole life? And to put those on post-it notes and then kind of put them along a timeline. And so naturally when you get an assignment like that, you think, oh, okay, fine. And so I started doing it and some people came to mind, some experiences came to mind and I wrote them down and I put them on the piece of paper and I looked back at it and I noticed that so many of the people, so many of the places, the experiences were actually all from my times at Soul Survivor. And they weren't times, some of them were, but the majority of those times were actually when I was like you, sitting in the seats of Soul Survivor. And I grew up a soul kid, so I went to Soul Survivor in year 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, skipped year 11, came back a bit in year 12, and then plus 1, 2, you know, get the gist. Um, and what I noticed is that it's in environments like this, uh, on conferences like this, when you learn what true worship is, you listen and start to hear the voice of God through his spirit. You meet people who will encourage you and who will cheer you on along the journey from other schools, from other churches who will form you. You'll meet uh, other youth leaders and they'll become mentors to you. But it's in this place, environments like this, where it kind of turbocharges your faith. And it actually has the potential, I believe, to uh, put you on a trajectory of your life that is one to keep following Jesus. And so I know it's night one and it's kind of like that whole vibe of we're just warming up. But I just want to encourage you from the very beginning, because I know what it's like to sit in those seats to know that be all in from tonight. Lean in from tonight. Don't waste it because we've only got two more 
and then you will be like, oh, it's over. I should have prayed <laughs> or I should have tried that, that time in prayer ministry or tried to lift my hands in worship or, or taken those steps to become deeper in your relationship with God. So it's night one. Worship was already amazing. But continue to warm up, continue to lean in because don't miss what God does in these moments because I firsthand know what it's like to have God really speak to you and really um, affect your life. Does it sound good? Are you in? Good. So good. So um, in the last year and a half, I would say that I've had a little bit more screen time than normal. Um, I actually got to the point where I discovered that you can put screen time like barriers on your phone. And then I got like a little bit like took it too far and like put do not disturb on starting from 8 p.m. Um, absolutely no contact, all that, because I just got like too overwhelmed with too much screen. And we had to work from home. You guys had to do school from home probably. Like it, it was all on the screen. And I got to a point where there was just too much, too much screen. And it reminded me of this story that my grandma actually used to say to me. And grandparents are the best because they let you do all of the things that your parents don't let you do, right? And so it's just the best. And um, I remember because after school, I would sometimes get off the bus at the stop where my nan lived and I would walk to her house and um, it meant that when I went to Nan's house, I got to watch TV. Do you remember those TVs before Netflix? <laughs> um, I actually got to watch TV and she used to give me a lemonade. And so best thing ever on a Wednesday, it's absolutely scandalous because in my household, there was no TV during the week. But what stays, what happens at Nan's house stays at Nan's house. And so I would watch TV with her and um, I can't remember what my favorite shows were, but they were on and I'd be watching them, drinking my lemonade. And I feel like hours would go past and Nan would come in after a while and say to me, Anna, darling, your eyes are going to turn square because you're looking at that screen so much. And I swear last year, my eyes were square because, oh my gosh, so many screens. But I was thinking about it. Okay, what am I looking at on the screens? What am I watching? What am I spending so much time kind of scrolling through? And I realized that last year, probably more than any other year, was a year where I was aware that I was following so many people's lives, so many brands, so many cooking shows, so many random DIY things and um, DIY, yeah, nice, got that wrong. Um, so I was doing all this stuff, right? And I realized that last year is the time when I think that we were at our most influential points because we were watching so many people and so many lives and letting them dictate kind of our expression of life. And so we were watching people do their, washing their face routine and we would do that. We would watch people do their like uh, before school routine. routine. I started following all these teachers because all my friends became teachers. Let me just say like, sorry, kids. <laughs> like they're amazing, but oh my gosh, the amount of work they make you do. I feel sorry for you. Um, but I would see all of their project planning and teacher planning and all that. But there was so much in, so much in, so much influence. And it was really determining who I was becoming. Because I think who you follow 
who you let shape and influence, who you look up to and aspire to be like, actually determines then who you become. And so this whole theme this year at Soul Survivor is following, follow, yes, in the hope that we're intentional this week to decide who we want to follow because that is who we will become. And my question to us tonight is, are we following Jesus and actually becoming more like him in the process? And so we want to set this time aside to be intentional, to lean in, to hear and uh, receive from God so that we're uh, influenced by him, we're inspired by him. We have times where he's able to rub off on us. We adopt his character, his heart, his likeness into our lives so that we can become more like him. That's what our hope is. That's what our prayer is. And so what we're going to do tonight and then for the rest of the week is look at uh, this part in the book of Mark, which is one of the Gospels, and we see this invitation that Jesus gives to his disciples. So open up to Mark chapter 1. Oh my gosh, I'm actually hearing paper Bibles. That's amazing. In my church, I say like, open up, and it's like, sad. All right, are you there? Mark chapter 1, verse 14, reading to verse 20. So we read Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish the people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone on a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So what's going on in this passage? We have, first of all, we have after John was put in prison. Wait a minute, who's John? John is also known, a.k.a. John the Baptist. And what his role was and why this is important that he actually was in prison and why we're reading about it is because John the Baptist was this guy who uh, was a signpost to Jesus. He did this beautiful thing in his ministry, and I think he got it really right. And as uh, leaders in ministry, it's so important to be like John the Baptist, a signpost to point to Jesus. And so what he said is, no, 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 don't look at me. I'm not the one. The one is coming who will be able to uh, save your souls and, and baptize you in the spirit. For what I do is just merely my worship to God, but what he can do is so much grander. And so John the Baptist is really making the way for Jesus and now we hear that he's been put in prison. And so what Jesus does is he then in Galilee, he is proclaiming the good news. And he is saying the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. And we can just kind of skim over that and think, okay, cool. Yeah, we've had all that before. But that was actually pretty radical for the people in Galilee because all Jewish people to that point have been known that a time will come where a Messiah will come, the kingdom of God will be near, 
and then they will repent and believe. Uh, but what Jesus is saying is, guys, it's now. The kingdom of God is now. And so it's pretty radical. And what we can imagine is that in the town of Galilee, it was probably hustling and bustling because Jesus was now the talk of the town. He was saying some pretty radical things. And so Jesus would have already had a following. People would have already been murmuring about this guy who's proclaiming this crazy news and saying that it's actually happening now in our lifetime. It's happening. And so he's got this following. He's got these people who are wondering who the heck he is. And what he does in that moment is he's walking on uh, beside the Sea of Galilee. And so who's picturing like a massive, massive sea? like an ocean. Anyone? Okay, I can't actually see your hands, so I'm just going to believe they're out there. Um, so this is more like a lake, um, but it's still really big and it's beautiful and it's got this uh, shoreline that's pebbly and, and these fishermen, these two guys, they're casting their nets off the pebbles and into the water because they're fishermen. Uh, and what Jesus says to him is he extends this invitation. He says to them, come follow me. And I, when I read this, I wonder, why was that such an attractive invitation for these guys to drop what they were doing, which wasn't just like fun fishing, like that was their livelihood, that, they were at work. Um, and so they pretty much just left their work and went and followed Jesus. Why? Why was that something that they did? And so I was discovering about young Jewish boys and in um, in Israel, what they would do when they were young. And as a young Jewish boy, you would grow up and you would desire to have a rabbi, which was like a teacher, ask you to be one of their disciples, to follow them. And so every young guy is growing up and he's been a good student. What they had to do was learn the first five books of the Bible and commit it to memory. At the moment, as a church, we're reading through the Bible and we're up to numbers, it's tough. Like, I don't even want to read it that much, let alone memorize it. And Leviticus, the one before it, is even worse. And Deuteronomy, the other side of it, is not great either. You should read them, though. <laughs> They're really good. Um, no, they actually are. But it's just, okay, I've lost you. Anyway, um, so they would have to memorize these books. And then it kind of reminds me of, you know, in those movies where there's uh, basketball teams or football teams over in America and they're in a high school and there's the best player and you're really hoping that he's like going to win or whatever. And there's a scout that's in the stands and that person is a rep from a college and he's there to watch the players and to offer the best player a scholarship. And that happens in so many movies. And anyway, so with the, with the Jewish kids, what they would have done is they would have uh, got to the end of their studies and the, the end of their Torah learning and all about the Jewish custom and hi uh, history and tradition and religion. And they would hope that one of the scouts, uh, one of the rabbis was watching them and was going to offer them a spot on their team, if you will. It would, they would offer you a spot to come and follow them and to then uh, become a rabbi yourself. And so that was the goal. That was like the best case scenario. And so what we see here is if kids didn't get picked, if they weren't offered kind of a position in someone's rabbi following, 
they then had to pick up the uh, profession of their father. And that was then their life trajectory. That was their, their vocation. That's what they had to do. And so these guys who were fishing, they were fishing because they weren't picked by anyone. They were fishing because they picked up their father's uh, vocation. And so when Jesus, who is a rabbi, who's earned a following, who's making waves in terms of saying some pretty out there things, when he comes up to these college dropouts and says to them, hey, would you like to follow me? They're looking at their nets and they're looking at him and they're thinking, I'm about to get a second chance to absolutely succeed, to do something that my father will be so proud of, to do something that will make me esteemed, but also to have opportunity to follow someone who I can learn so much of. So what Jesus is doing to these guys is offering them such an amazing second chance in a way. And so, of course, when they recognize that that's what he's saying and that's who he is, that they then drop their nets and they follow him. What's interesting then, if, if you remember what we, read it, what we read a little bit further on, says when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And so here we have like kind of a repeat. But what's interesting is that one of them we have is casting their nets off the shore. The next people that he calls to them are out in a boat with their father and hired men. So we're talking about a family business that's going pretty well. That's like large scale fishing happening. So they're like your Coles and Woolies guys. Um, they've got it going on. And what Jesus says to those guys who are probably hugely successful because to have a boat and hired men mean that you're making some money. What he's saying to those guys is, hey, come follow me. And they think that's still an attractive uh, invitation in order to leave their high paying job, their good reputation, their father and the hired help to follow Jesus. And so this, this invitation of Jesus's isn't like second class. It's not like, oh, some fishermen thought it would be nice because they were so bored fishing. Because fishing's so boring. Um, but what they actually did is they thought following Jesus is even more important than being successful in my business. It's even more important than carrying on this uh, family line. And I'm not going to chase success in terms of finance. I'm going to chase what's actually really important and follow this guy. And so I love that it's this inclusive picture that like it's not just for a certain type of person. It's not just for those who don't have anything else going on. It's for the people who actually long to be in Jesus's proximity and to follow him because he, they believe that he can actually change their life. And with these 12 guys who became the disciples, they actually did change the world. Like, just 12. 12 changed the whole course of history, and Jesus invited them into that place. And so what we're going to do tonight is look at three kinds of um, ways that you can follow Christ. Three ways that, like, these guys, these disciples, uh, these followers of Jesus, they kind of they went through these phases of following. And so the first one, we're going to look at what it means to just physically be following Jesus. These guys, they walked with him. They learned from him. 
uh, they just literally followed him around. And so we're going to look at what that meant. Then we're going to look at the fact that when they followed Jesus, when they physically followed him around, they also got to the point where they accepted that salvation was found in Christ. So it wasn't just like a cool rabbi to follow, not just like getting uh, some good exposure. It was actually also they determined that Jesus was the one who was going to be their Lord and Savior. And then thirdly, uh, the third kind of way of following is that even when it got hard, even when people uh, persecuted them, even when people tore them down and didn't believe in what they were saying, when times got really tough, they still followed Christ. So we're going to look at those three things and maybe think about where are we in the picture? When you're sitting here tonight, first night of Soul Survivor Conference, as we, as we go through these three, think about where are you? Where are you at in the journey? So the first one we have is physically following Jesus. And so these disciples, as you know, they, they followed him around. He went to any town and they followed him. And when they were with him, what I can imagine is that they would have uh, learned how he did things. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes we forget that he says, I am the way. Yes, I am the way to the Father, but I'm also the way that you want to live this life. I'm the one that you want to follow. I'm the one you want to learn from. And so there was disciples who would physically be following him around, but weren't necessarily all in yet. They weren't actually necessarily thinking that he was the Savior. And we saw that even in Judas. Like he was there, he was physically following Jesus, but he hadn't got to the place where he had decided that he was going to be committed, uh, recognizing that Jesus was his savior. What's cool is that Jesus asks all of his disciples, he, he's got them there and he's kind of hearing rumors of who people are thinking that he is. And so he's hearing that, oh yeah, some say that you are John the Baptist, he's like, um, you guys have met John the Baptist and we don't look anything similar. Um, some people are saying you're Elijah. It's like that guy died a long time ago, um, not him. And so Jesus is saying like, well, guys, you've been following me. Who do you say that I am? You've been watching me. You've been learning from me. We've had some deep chats. Who do you think I am? And what I think Jesus is doing in that place and what I think he does to us quite often is says like, You've been hanging around me. You, you've been in church. You've been in youth group. You maybe come to Soul Survivor before. But Jesus comes to us and says, yeah, but who am I to you? Am I your Lord and Savior? Am I the king of your heart? And so you can be following Jesus, but not in that place yet. And so Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says to him, well, you are the son of God. And I think that that's a real turning point because it moves from physically following into then being all in. You might be sitting here tonight and you have been physically following Jesus. You've been at church. You've been at youth group. You might go to a Christian group at school or um, you might have kind of Christian gatherings that you're attending. And can I just say that's still following Jesus. That's still so important to do because it is a journey. It, it doesn't just happen like that for everyone. And so being in the right rooms and being in the right environment 
and having your eyes see what God is doing and having your ears open to worship and to and to explore with God, okay, I'm wanting to see you as my Lord and Savior. I'm just not sure yet. That's still following Jesus. And so be okay in that place. But then the beautiful thing is that we're encouraged to remain in him, to abide is another word, to stay, to remain in those rooms and to remain in those gatherings because that's where you'll uh, sometimes be encouraged forward into discovering the beautiful relationship that's in Christ. So the first form of following is to be physically following Jesus. And we saw that in the disciples. The second one is this idea of moving into being all in. You recognize, you know what? Following me sucks. I'm not that good at it. I keep stuffing up. I keep making bad decisions. I keep keep hurting the people that I actually love. I'm not seeing any like good fruit in my life. I'm exhausted. And it's in those places. It's in our weakness. It's in us recognizing that, hey, I don't want to follow me. I want to follow you, Jesus. And that's where we recognize that we need him as our Lord and Savior. And so uh, in that moment, we go, okay, you know what, God, I'm all in. I'm following you and I'm all in. And you might be in that place tonight and you recognize how how good it is and how freeing it is to know that God's got it, that you're actually following him, not yourself. But the third thing is when you've been following God, you recognize his, your Lord and Savior, you're still physically following, but there's so much against you. You feel like your faith could just crumble at any point. And it's in those places that, again, you need to press in and follow Christ. Because this, this invitation of come follow me, it's not like a one and done. You need to keep following him. And because when it gets tough and when your friends keep saying to you, why do you do that? And when your friends keep trying to push your morals and to say, oh, don't worry about it. Or why do you do that? Or why are you different? Or the, the, the other side of the argument can get really strong sometimes. And it's in those times that you need to remember that you're following Jesus. You're not leading your own life. You don't need to lean on your own understanding. You're following Jesus. And so let him fuel you. Let him uh, give you courage and know that you're in good company because the disciples who spent three years in an intensive following Christ, following him physically around, discovering him that he is the Lord and Savior, but then when he ascended into heaven, they kind of were left there and had the, okay, now what moment. And they needed to follow him through all of the people around them, giving them such a hard time. The Jewish people at the time were like, what are you guys doing? You're not, you've got it wrong. And so they had so much ridicule, so much persecution. And if you look at what happened in each one of those disciples' lives, they did amazing things for the gospel, but the world did horrible things to them. And so the, the, it got really tough for them, but they needed to remember who I follow is determining who I'm becoming, and I want to become more like Jesus because he did incredible things and he is my Lord and Savior, so I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep going, 
even though my faith is holding on by a thread, even though I feel like I'm not strong enough for this, even though I feel like I'm fumbling, God is the one who holds it together. It's in following him. And it reminded me of when I was in high school. I was uh, in a year group and it was just me and one other Christian in our whole year group. And um, we had a Christian lunchtime program that was on Tuesdays. Who goes to a Christian lunchtime program? Kidding, everyone else will judge you, hey, for not going. (laughs) Um, Anyway, our lunchtime program was called Chaos, which stood for Christians at our school. Um, So naturally, I loved it. Um, And I remember coming back from those kind of gatherings whenever I went, and my friends would say, like, oh, where were you? Missed you at lunch. Where, Where were you? And it was really hard to say I was um, at the Christian gathering. It was hard because I knew the response I would get. And it was in those moments, and I think that many of you will know what this feels like. It's in those moments that God is building your resilience. You're actually choosing to follow him in those moments because you could just be following everyone else. And following everyone else seems so easy. And following Christ seems really hard. But persevere. And I just want to tell you that when you keep making those decisions, when you keep following Christ, he will be forming in you such a strength that will take you into your next seasons of life with such courage. Because it was back then that you decided, actually, yeah, God, I'm all in for you. I'm going to follow you even when the haters are going to be hating because it gets hard it does and we're going to talk about that later this week and give you some really good encouragement into how to persevere and how to um walk through the challenge of it but God said through Jesus like I have overcome the world like don't stress come to me when you're feeling anxious come to me when you're feeling hurt come to me when everything is just too much And I'll show you what real rest is like. I'll give you rest for your soul. And that's better rest than anything else this world can offer. It really is. It will sustain you. And so it was in those moments at school that I recognized that I wanted to be all in as Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But also, I knew that it was going to be hard, but I needed to keep following him. So tonight, it's the, as we come into land, um, It's the first night of conference, and I recognize that in a room this size, there's plenty of us who are in different stages. And Jesus stands on the shore of your heart tonight, and he asks you to follow him. He asks you to be all in with him. He encourages you to keep following him, even when it's tough. And we're going to take a moment to just think, all right, let me do a little heart check. Where am I at? Am I even acknowledging that Jesus is there asking me to follow him, that he would want that? Am I here tonight and I recognize that I've been at youth group a lot of times. I've been physically following Jesus for a while now, but I haven't actually made that next step haven't actually realized that he is the Lord and Savior of my life. 
who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Or maybe you're, you're here tonight as the last straw. It's got too much. The words that people have said have been too hurtful. Your family doesn't get it. The people at school live such a different life to you and you can't reconcile it. Bad things have happened in your life and you don't understand where God fits into that picture. Maybe there's been those things in your life recently. And tonight is going to be one of those nights where you're thinking, are you still worth following Jesus? And no words that I can say are more powerful than words that God says. And so we're going to create space now where we can just do a little heart check before God and see where we're at. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you see every single person in this room. And that regardless of how qualified or disqualified we feel, you give us such a beautiful invitation to follow you. Lord, I pray tonight as we just create some space to hear from you and to discover what you're asking right now of us, Lord. I pray that your voice will be clear. I pray that the voice that we hear is one that is just covered with love and with pure desire to be in relationship with us. Lord, I pray any other tone or any other response, Lord, that isn't from you will just be left behind. But God, will you reaffirm your love for all of us here tonight? May we listen to your voice.